It's time to face the elephant in the room to quantify and recognize the unseen and unpaid labor of women. Author and programs coordinator for SGS Consulting, Ms. Yolisa Shugu, is on the line to talk about effectively the unrecognized and unpaid and unseen labor of women. As we mark the end of Women's Month, which will be tomorrow, it is only fair for us to honestly address all the proverbial elephants in the room that undermine efforts to achieve gender equality. This year, the labor of millions of invisible women who bear and raise children, work the land, and run households to enable men to be part of the formal economy remains unrecognized and unquantified. Sisiolisa, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Good evening, Sonia. Good to be here. How are you? I'm well, thank you, ma'am. You are of the view that the introduction of a basic income grant is an opportunity for economists and policymakers to genuinely scrutinize the true policy reforms that need to be implemented so as to recognize the unpaid and unseen labor of a critical mass of our community, women in South Africa. Yes, absolutely, Songhezo. Um, Just to give a little bit of background, we were looking at the situation, at the economic situation of women in this country. And we thought, you know, it's so strange how the economic story of this country is always started in the middle. And we never go back to consider what the story was at the beginning. And the beginning of the story really begins with the women who have foregone multiple economic opportunities for themselves. So as to support the men who get to go out and look for the jobs and look for the economic opportunities more in the urban spaces. And that has been happening since time immemorial. And these are the women that keep the households going, that nurture the children, that raise them, take them to school and teach them all the necessary skills and lessons for them to be active citizens um, in the country. And so... We think the the economy story always starts in the middle. It's like starting a fairy tale at chapter ten. We never know, you know, how the princess got to be the princess, but we don't ever start at the beginning where we talk about how they got to be the princess, what was happening in the beginning. And this is the case also with our economic fairy tale, as it were. And this is the invisible hand of women in this country um, that has always you know, not made it to the headlines, not made it to the trial of conversations on the economic platforms, even the local, national scale, even at the global scale for that matter. And yet women's resourcefulness has always been the backbone of this country and even um, not recognized in the formal sector, but it is part and parcel of what makes the South African economy what it is. Let's talk more about this unseen labor, this unpaid labor. Where do we find it? Where do we see it but don't even recognize it as such? And where perhaps then might the correction of the narrative need to be addressed at first? I think the biggest thing um, that I try to address in the article um, is how women, in spite of the circumstances, uh, particularly those that exist in the rural periphery of this country, have always been able to be resourceful in spite of the abject poverty that they exist in. The fact that women are able to come together um, in an organized, they mobilize themselves in an organized manner, have been able to uh, successfully run stock cells, burial societies, um, and and, and such things related to those as well. They've been able to do those things that are self-initiated and self 
organized and they've been able to self-determine for the longest time. Um, and so that households can continue to run, even in the absence of uh, maybe the father as the leader or the, or the male figures within the home, so that they're able to go out and do that. And I think this forms part, I guess, of the informal economy or the unrecognized effort levels that women have consistently been putting in um, and reliably so, so that the economy can continue to run. What is recognized as a formal economy can continue to run. Um, and I think in the raising, I think in, in the in the roles that women occupy at home, where the men are unable to come to and do those things because of the of the economic endeavors that they are chasing. These are the unrecognized and invisible contributions that women have had um, as well. The poorer the community, I would imagine the more the woman in this space does more unseen and unpaid labor. Do you find any patterns around demographics and particularly culture? To what extent, if any, does culture play a role in giving us this statistic about which we are now talking, the fact that there is a lot of unseen and unpaid labor among women when we're looking at through culture or traditional ways of life? I think most definitely, Sangeza. I mean, if the obviously the more rural you go in, the more the cultural norms um, and cultural practices begin um, to form some kind of oppression on women and what they get to point to as their own asset. Um, any kind of ownership when it comes to land, when it comes to um, livestock, is not something that can be considered for themselves. Um, they're always seen as nurturers or the, the caretakers of these entities and cannot necessarily own them for themselves because of these outdated cultural practices. One would have thought, though, Bear versus Kylie to Magistrate would have taken care of that in the effectively ruling unconstitutional, the male primogeniture rule. But law is one thing. Practice is quite another, more especially when the institutions and machinery of the state cannot readily access. How far then are we down the road in terms of educating communities to their rights? Because I think a lot of the time one might find commonplace these sorts of economic disparities where people are less inclined to know their rights? I think this is a question that we all need to ask ourselves, as a particularly um, government and perhaps even supporting entities like the civil society sector that are specifically dealing with the with women's agenda when it comes to development and more specifically economic development and what um, practical tools and methods have been put in place by government to attain um, gender equality, to attain economic freedom, at least for the woman, um, especially a woman that's existing on the rural periphery. Um, And I think it's not just a responsibility of one person or to point um, maybe to myself to give those responses, but I think it's more of of a collective conversation that we need to have to dissect and discuss what exactly needs to be happening on the ground practically so? Um, so not just having um, the policies in place, because having the policy is well and good, but it's just one thing. The second part of that is actually the implementation, ha- implementation happening on the ground and for us to be able to see the lasting effects that it can have for the women who are having those daily lived experiences, um, seeing those changes in their lives. I'd love to take a call on this question just to 
a void uh, tennis match between myself and Yoli Sashugu, who is the author and programs coordinator for SGS Consulting. We are talking about the fact that it is time to face the elephant in the room to quantify and recognize the unpaid and unseen labor of women in a society that is one of the more unequal in the world. The inequality within it or in the South African society is especially pronounced with women scraping at the bat- bottom of the barrel. And these are some of the questions we have to answer so as to change that and establish a social order that is dignified, ensuring that there is equality, not just in law, but in reality as the lived experience. Let's move on then, particularly when this impact hits child-headed households. A lot of the time you would find child-headed households being a woman, which just doesn't stunt them as at then, stunts them well beyond into their future because it takes them out of the school setup, it takes them out of formal training, and because their male counterparts, the boy child, oftentimes would not as much have to lead or head a household as the girl child would. It invariably, I put it to you, gives us more and more of the sort of statistic where men are not at home and women are at home, and by virtue of them being at home, they perform this unseen and unpaid labor, which doesn't actually assist us in remedying at all the situation in the formal economy. You're Lisa? Yes. I, I don't know how much of what I've just said you have heard, and I would wish for you to reply to it, please. I'm sorry, I just heard the last bit, thing as well, um, when you were talking about the formal economy and women for going economic opportunities and raising children at home where men are not available. I, 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 I was trying to just sort of make comment to the fact that with, layered within this conversation is the fact that there are girl-child-headed households a lot more yeah. than there are boy-child-headed households. And that has yeah. a significant impact in 5, 10, 15 years down the line when opportunities for girls who are now women are that much less than for those boys who were not forced to leave the classroom or the formal training setup to still be able to eke out a living far better than that of the woman who has always been forced to be at home, therefore has been taken out of the formal spaces. Yes, definitely. There's a, there's an, a domino effect that is obvious and quite literal um, when the girl child has been neglected and when the girl child has not been able to be exposed to the opportunities that a boy child, for argument's sake, would get. And the domino effect um, is also quite evident when you are seeing a woman who is the staple in in their neighborhood, in their community, where if they are deprived of opportunities, there is a long strand of people that are dependent on her that also get to be disadvantaged because of those opportunities that she gets deprived of. Um, there is uh, actually a clip that my uh, my colleague likes to watch of what happens when a girl child goes to school and what becomes the benefits of that. And you can see when a, a child goes to school, a, a girl child goes to school, they get to go and um, explore what other avenues they are, not just to benefit themselves, but to also benefit their community, their family, their neighborhood, their extensive networks that get tied to the to the woman as themselves but if you just look um and i don't want to play a compare and contrast here that is not necessarily the case with men but if you if for example if you want to put it on a 
selfish scale. You could say if there could be an investment to a girl child, you get more return for your buck. Um, unlike if it was a case for maybe investing in a in a boy child. But that's a different conversation altogether. What I'm trying to get across is there is literal and economic benefit in investing in a young woman or a young girl because they stand a chance to be more impactful and more effective to not only themselves but to benefit the community at large. And this is most certainly the case, especially at the rural um, communities as well. Of course, the rural communities is hardest hit, but I don't imagine in the urban spaces where there is a lot of poverty, particularly around your major economic centers where we see it all the time at robots and outside spaces of trade. Here's something that I just do want you to explain, please, finally, because I did read this and I was taken aback by this open quote. This is to your article. If ever you've Mm -hmm. been to Builder's Warehouse, you'll see the dozens of men who sit on the side of the road holding cardboards seeking peace jobs daily. You don't have to imagine who is looking after their families while they, and you have open quote, job hunt, close quote. Uh, Take me through the thinking behind that line, please. This was just simply to get across the, the point that men get up and go to look for jobs, but then there is no value placed on the woman that gets left behind. I think it speaks to the gist of what the entire article was saying around what you only see maybe as you pass by your car is a man who's looking for a job. But I don't think there's anyone who stops to think, I wonder who's back home. I wonder how the family's doing. I wonder if the money that these men get ever reaches home and it reaches their wives, their sisters, their mothers, their children as well. So this is not to negate the efforts that men um put and they go and seek um, economic opportunities, but it's that does it actually filter down and get to where it needs to go because there is a need back home. And the, and the people who need to keep the candle burning while the father is out is the mother, is the sister, um, is the aunt that must make ends meet while the man is still out. And, and, and that's probably a microcosmic example of how the migrant labor system works, doesn't it? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, From time immemorial, this was the case even with men leaving their homes in the rural areas, migrating to Johannesburg, the city of gold, in search of work. Um, and the women were left at home taking care of the kids and keeping the households running. So in many um, respects, we probably have to magnify ourselves into looking at the economic system at large so that it doesn't occasion for the breaking up of families as the migrant labor system invariably did, shouldn't we? Certainly that is the consequence of of what's happening and we would have to consider different um, methods of, I guess, addressing the breaking up of the family if we as women were to have equal opportunities as men because obviously it wouldn't play out in the way that it is playing out right now where the woman is left at home with the children because that is an equally important responsibility but what would it look like on a scale where now the woman can also go out and seek out the the economic opportunities to support the household and what would happen to the children and what could be happening on the larger scale on, on the economic front. Fascinating questions. Time does not permit. Yolisa, thank you so much for your time. Great Coast, it is time for news, everybody. Thank you so much for indulging the first hour and one minute. I'm late by a minute, but with your pardon, Greg, I'm sure you can forgive me.